Good morning, everybody. I'm doing something new. I'm using my Zoom profile to do a live hangout. I'm just going to test to make sure it's working. Give me just a moment. Okay, I'm coming in. All right, guys, share if you care. Get out the link. Let people know there's a pastor that's going to talk about suicide. I have a lot of time to do this, so it may go long. It may go about an hour. I will definitely be taking questions. Melissa, I believe that's your name. I know that we were chatting a bit on um, Facebook yesterday. Thank you for joining me. This is definitely the platform to do it for me personally. I don't think I'll be able to bring on anybody <clears throat> unless they came through my Zoom account. But during this time, if I get any experts, people who have a PhD or a doctorate in the field of medical, uh, of mental health, I will bring them on to show you that this discussion that I'm having now can be brought on with a professional. I am halfway through my doctorate in ministry and I've been a pastor for over 20 years, <clears throat> excuse me, just getting started today. Sometimes my voice is like a 58 Chevy has to warm up a little bit. I'm a, an old preacher. Uh, so if you know an expert in the mental health field that either has a PhD or a doctorate, send them this link. I'll get them on. They will be preferred so I can get them on through the Zoom channel. But I'm going to be talking about it from a biblical perspective. And then I'll be tapping on some of the, the medical science as well. Uh, what prompted me to do this as we're getting started here at 10 is that uh, a few years ago, I began to clue in on what was happening with the suicide epidemic. And I began to understand that it was also in the church. And so in my cemetery classes, I mean seminary classes, uh, they began to give us all kinds of books that would prevent this depression and this kind of uh, low self-esteem thinking in the ministry. The trellis in the vine, the ministry mindset that changes everything. Uh, these kinds of books began to be sent out to us and we would have to begin to study them. And of course, I can't find a bunch of them right here, but I, I've had to do so many of them and I don't know where they're at. Give me just a second, as we're letting people come on, everybody share the link. I'm going to give you, I think I moved them over here. Oh, of course I can't find them. I had to go through all of these mental health books in the ministry. And of course, I don't have any of them next to me right now. But I've had to do so many classes on this about breaking down mental health, all of these other different things. And then what I began to do is I began to study it from the, the medical world. So I'm going to show you guys my screen right now. You guys are going to be able to see my screen. I have over 300 books in my Kindle, okay? Over 300 books, about 379. I want to just go through some of these with you quickly so you know where I'm coming from. Why People Die by Suicide. This is probably the leading book right now on offering answers. He takes the best answers and has brought them together. Mind to Matter, How the Mind Works. 
Dr. Amen has done um, over 80,000 brain scans. I have two of his books, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, Healing the Hardware of the Soul. That's another great book. I have books by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, The Perfect You, Switch on Your Brain. Now look at when I just put in anxiety. Look at the different books that I have from anxiety, some of them from leading experts. Rewire Your Anxious Brain, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. That's from Amen again. The Ultimate Anxiety Relief, Dare, The New Way to End Anxiety, Overcoming Anxiety, Coping with Anxiety, Telling Yourself the Truth. Here is the number one Christian author, Meyer. Uh, let's go, Happiness is a Choice, some of his books. Uh, Dr. Meyer runs the, the largest Christian clinics in America. His book, Happiness is a Choice, he wrote with Dr. Frank Murrith. What I'm trying to say is, other than, oh, and by the way, I have neuroscience and religion of, uh, by a non-Christian, how, how God Changes the Brain. This was written by a non-Christian. Uh, I'm loading it up on my laptop. I usually don't read my books on my laptop. I usually do it on my desktop or my phone. Uh, let, let me just show you here as we're waiting for people to come, and I'll go back and check my text here in just a second. I have probably 30 to 40 books by PhDs and doctors, practitioners in the field of anxiety, depression, and suicide. Let me put this back up here. Uh, how religion, how God changes your brain. I want you to see this here, I'm trying to go here to the cover. How God changes your brain, breakthrough findings from a leading neuroscientist, Andrew Newberg, MD, and Mark Robert Walden. Okay, uh, here are the table of contents for that religion in the human brain. He's done brain scans on nuns and Pentecostal Christians speaking in tongues. Okay, all of these different things. Dr. Meyer is a, a clinician uh, working in the actual field. Uh, Dr. Amen, as I showed you before, doing the brain scans. Let me just give you a few more. Uh, in my library, Jeffrey Schwartz is the leading expert. You are not your brain. He is the leading expert in OCD recovery. Um, he has been teaching uh, neuroplasticity that the soul can actually change the brain. He's been teaching that for a while. He's the leading expert in that. Jeffrey Schwartz, you are not your brain, the four-step solution for changing bad habits, ending unhealthy thinking, and taking control of your life. Uh, I, I could keep going through more of these, but I think those of you understand what I'm doing here right now, okay? I just wanted to put that up there so you can understand. I'm not just a fly-by-night. I'm a pastor with over 20 years of experience. I myself am halfway through a doctorate in ministry, and a lot of what I have to study is leadership and how the soul correlates with the everyday life. And then in my personal studies, because I was brought into this by seeing of the suicide epidemic, I have between 30 and 40 books on this that deal with anxiety, depression, suicide, your brain, neuroscience, brain scans, and then on top of that, endless amounts of blogs from uh, the different leading uh, psychiatric websites. I have links right here. Let me just show you just for an example. My wife, uh, when she watches me do research, or even I had a guest over yesterday when I wrote this paper, they're quite surprised at how fast I can research. Well, the reason why I can do that 
is because as a pastor, I, as in a doctoral student, I have to get things done and I have to do it quickly. So let me just give you an example. Medical News Today, Science Direct, Mayo Clinic, NAMI, the organization.org. And then here was the other one that I researched, World Psychiatry, okay? So when, when I'm talking to you as a pastor, I'm not saying trust me just because I said it. And I know some people may read a post that comes off the way I just did, like it's a little sassy, and people may be like, oh my goodness, this pastor just thinks he knows everything. No, I'm a person that is studying, I'm humble, I can be proven wrong, but you better prove me wrong in one of two ways, starting with the scripture and then the science. The Bible always confirms the science. Now, can we misinterpret the Bible and thus misinterpret science? Yes, we can. But I'm still a young earth creationist. If that tells you something about me, I still believe God did it in seven days. It wasn't a big bang. I, I bet you there was a big bang, but I know who banged it. And so I believe good science, get some sun coming in here. I believe good science will always confirm the Bible. So let me just give you an example, just to bring you into my world of research, just for a second, so you don't think, Pastor, oh, he's just making up stuff. This is from the World Psychiatry Organization, the official journal of the World Psychiatric Association, WPA. What has serotonin, serotonin to do with depression? Now, by the way, the worst thing I could ever do is pretend I'm a scientist or a doctor. I don't do that. I never cross my line as a pastor, but I also ask them never to cross their line and act like they know what the soul's about, okay? Science does not put the soul under a microscope, okay? So we need soul and body, and it's a spiritual soul. It's, you know, it's a spiritual soul. We're spirits that have souls and live in a body. So here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be, but you better believe I'm about like, here's a doctor who's done these studies and here's where I'm at. I'm right here. I do my studies right along with them. Anytime I talk to doctors or health professionals and we'll get one on here in 30 seconds, if you can get me one and I'll be checking my chat. See, I'm going to check my chat on my other, uh, my other computer. I got a phone, a desktop and a laptop trying to keep up with all the information I'm about ready to give you guys. By the way, this is just the introduction. I'm just doing this. Uh, just to get some people in here to show you guys what's going on. And uh, if you're watching this after it's already been recorded, maybe skip a few minutes, right? Because I'm just waiting here. Um, let me just tell you this. I'll get on a health professional here, and I'll guarantee you they'll start off with, I don't know what I'm talking about, because maybe they just got brought in here. But within about 30 seconds, they'll say, this pastor knows what he's talking about. We may not agree because even people in the health field don't agree on how these things are, 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 what the risk factors are affecting suicide as, like whether it's serotonin, whether it's all of these different factors, they don't all agree either, my friends, they're trying to figure it out too. So they'll say, well, he may not agree with me or whatever, but he knows what he's talking about because he's looking at our journals. My friends, you got to look at their journals to see what they're studying from the tests that they're doing, okay? What has serotonin to do with depression? Now, why this is a big deal right off the bat is because what the big issue has been for about the last 50 years, and it says it right here, is that people have been, and let me just back up and say this real quick before we get really into it, okay? I, tried, I wanted to do about a 10-minute introduction, but I'm going a little bit over. Uh, let me just say this real quick. When we're talking about the mental health uh, field, 
I'm not a conspiracy theorist, okay? I see someone just tag Carolyn Leaf in here. I'm down with Carolyn Leaf and people who are in the field doing their best. And I'm down even with people I disagree with who may be in the field doing their best. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist. So when I, so somehow in my post about the pastor and suicide, people began to think that maybe I'm against mental health or, or somehow I'm, I'm living under a rock and we're just going to, you know, just treat things with a simple answer. No, I believe that there can be mental health issues. And I believe that the doctors and the physicians and the researchers are really doing their best. I may not always agree with what they come up with, and they may not always agree with what I say from the Bible, but just want to tell you, I, I, I'm not reading uh, journals with this this thought in the back of my mind, like these people are so sinister, they're they're all full of the devil because every mental health issue is a demon. You know, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that mental health is always connected to demons at all. I mean, I think that let me let me just say this real quick. I think there's mental health issues in one category. I think there's suicide, the act of it, in another category. And then I think there's demons and spiritual warfare in another category. And can they interact with each other? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean mental health will always equal suicide because the devil's attacking you. Okay, so I'm just letting you know that. So anyways, just to show you some of my research, which, you know, just I, I dive into it and I go deep and you guys can ask me for some of the articles and I'll put them up and I'll give you links to books. And if I don't have it off the top of my head, I'll come back and put it here. Cause I'm telling you, I got about 15 to 20 articles in my head right now and about 30 bucks. Okay. So, I mean, it's all out there and you just have to piece it together to get, to get the full picture. And I know we don't like Wikipedia in, in scholarly circles, but Wikipedia is a great place to start just for basic information. Just, just for an example on this, before I get to the serotonin article right here, if you just put in suicide and, and, and then you go to Wikipedia, you'll see that it has a lot of the, the current debates, the current dis discussions going on. And, and this journal will back up what's going on with the discussion that it's talking about. So one of the things that we have to do is, is we have to see, is there a pathophysiology? Is there an actual physical source of a disease? Uh, a disease pretty much has to be physical, by the way, but uh, we'll talk about mental in just a minute. But for the, for the most part, people are looking at diseases and, and the suffering with this, the pathos there, and then they want to see it in the physiology, right? But look at just, I'm just telling you this, okay, guys, you can take my word for it or not, or you can research, but I'm going to show you right here in one of the journals, the World Psychiatric Journal. Hey, what do they know, right? I'm going to show you right here that it's backed up that it backs up what Wikipedia says. There is no known unifying underlying pathophysiology. <laughs> I knew I was gonna mess up on these words. So don't even get me trying to start to pronounce all these words, okay? There is no known unifying underlying pathophysiology for either suicide or depression. Now, if you're a good student, what are you gonna do? you're going to go and check their resource. Now, guess what? This comes from this uh, journal or this article here, and you got to go check it out, right? But what it's basically saying is, and if you want to tap on this word, you can see, is that pathophysiology or physiopathology, <laughs> I gotta, you don't even have to laugh at me. 
You don't even need to make fun of me. I told you I'm not a doctor. I can't. And by the way, all these words come from the Greek. And guess what the Bible's written in New Testament? My primary studies in the Greek. And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's horrible. I mispronounce every Greek possible word. Even my wife's name is Greek, Athanasia. And I'm sure I've mispronounced that at times, but she goes by Nancy. So what, what is this study right here? It's a convergence of pathology with physiology. It's like suffering with your body and what's going on. Pathology is the medical discipline that describes conditions typically observed during a disease state, where physiology is the biological discipline that describes processes or mechanisms operating, et cetera, you know, within the body. Okay, so you see, I'm not a sassy little preacher trying to just jump off and act like I know what I'm doing. So let's just go back to the journal Go back to the journal, and you can see who these guys are. If you go right down to the bottom, it tells you where this came from, or at the top, right? It should be here. Um, of course, now I just lost the article. Where did I just go? Okay, what here, here it is. It was in this journal, World Psychiatry. These guys right, right here are from Oxford, Philip J. Cohen, University Department of Psychiatry, Wayneford Hospital, Oxford. And then Michael Browning, he must work with him there in Oxford, okay? So what, what, is, what is the first thing they say here? The serotonin hypothesis of clinical depressions is, clinical depression is almost 50 years old. And it goes on to tell you that this pattern of theory making, moving from the pharmacological action of drugs with some, some efficiency, efficacy, rather, in treatment to biological notions of causation has been common in biological psychiatry. Biological psychiatry is the belief that you're simply a bag of chemicals. And so how we're going to treat you is as a biological machine. And so we're going to find the chemicals that are missing, and then we're going to pump you full of those chemicals. That's what's been being done for 50 years. Now, let me just take a side note here and tell you, this has not been working. Pumping people full of chemicals, treating them as a biological machine, it's not working. That's what they're going to say. And that's what it goes on to say. However, the serotonin hypothesis of depression has not been clearly substantiated. So do you want to argue with me? Get on the working professional. That's great. We'll get them on right now and I'll bring them right to the journal. We can't argue with the journal unless we have different facts. Bring me different facts. Now, do I understand that sometimes journals disagree with each other? Absolutely. But I can only go on what I have here, okay? So don't act like I'm a nincompoop and I'm just making up stuff, okay? So let's just settle some of this when we're talking about the science. And let me just show you another little neato thing. Did you know that the leading expert on anxiety, because the person that we were talking about, the pastor, was it was about anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression. And you hear this all the time. Chris Cornell, the lead singer of Soundgarden, took his life. Anxiety and depression, lead singer of Lincoln Park, anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression. Do you know that the, let me put his name up here, Neil Anderson wrote this book here. Freedom from Fear. This, if those of you like Dr. Leaf, you guys will like these books as well. The, this brother has spent a lot of time researching and being like a Dr. Karen Leaf between the two worlds, okay? Uh, Freedom from Fear. In, in Neil Anderson's book here, Freedom from Fear, he actually talks about the gentleman who wrote the workbook, the workbook on anxiety. And let me see here, workbook. And I should have had it highlighted. Let me see. 
hold on right here. Yeah, let me go right here. Why is it not transferring my highlights over? Anyways, I just was highlighting this the other day because I knew I needed it. Let's go back here to workbook, the anxiety and phobia workbook. Okay. Okay, Born. Now watch this. This guy, Born, right here, wrote the book, the anxiety workbook. Okay. Let me get his name here. B O R N E. And this is why people ask me, why don't you have all your books here? I have about 1,800 theological books on my computer and another 300 on my laptop. And people say, why don't you get these books? I only have about uh, 500 here. Well, the reason you can't do word searches. Okay. So here we go. Let me show you right here. What happened to this man? The guy who wrote the workbook on it. Okay. Here we go. Oh, you, yeah, you guys can see my screen, right? Here we go. Okay. Towards a holistic answer. Why is this important? Because we're not just a bag of chemicals, people. We're souls in bodies, and we better understand how the soul relates to the body, okay? That's where Jeffrey Swartz and his research came in. That's where Dr. Amen and his 80,000 brain scans came in. The brain is elastic, and it can change via the initiation of the soul, and they call this cognitive brain therapy, right? CBT and all of these different things. But look at this. This is sad. I'm not, I'm not boasting in this. I'm not thinking this is funny. But I love to bring it up to people because they act like the doctors have all the answers when it comes to this, and they still treat the Bible like it's secondary. You no, know, it goes Bible, then science. You know, it's like, come on, everybody, say it with me Bible, then science. Y'all better check yourself before you wreck yourself in science without the biblical foundation, okay? So, Dr. Edwin Bourne is one of the most credible practitioners seeking to help those struggling with anxiety disorders. He is the author of the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, okay? Let's see if I even have one of his books. Sometimes I even forget the books that I have in my library. Oh, I'd have to go out of this program, but I'll check here and just, well, let me check on this one because I believe I have the Phobia Workbook here, which, is the, which was for its time until he actually had to re rewrite it, which was actually the, the standard on anxiety use. Um, Yes, I have his new one, Coping with Anxiety. I have his new one because I think I read this book first and I said, I'm not going to get the book he had to change, but watch this right here. He is the author of the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, which won, watch this, it won the Benjamin Franklin Book Award for Excellence in Psychology. Sounds great, right? It's the workbook on phobias and anxiety. Dr. Bourne entered this field of study because he personal, personally struggled with anxiety. Hey, no condo bondo. That's okay. I mean, you want to learn more about why you're dealing with stuff. Okay, that's fine. Watch this. Five years after the publication of the first edition, his own anxiety disorder took a turn for the worst. This caused him to reevaluate his own life as well as his approach to treatment. In 1998, he published a new book entitled Healing Fear. And then this book that I now have, Coping with Anxiety, I believe came after 98. Let me see where this book is from. Uh, because I believe I only heard about him from here. Yeah, this is 2003. Healing, uh, Coping with Anxiety is his latest book, okay? Now, listen to what he says. He himself, the guy writes the book on this, man. Come on. Can't even get freedom. Can't get freedom from it. Then has to go back and rewrite the book. And now what does he say? He's basically saying we're not just a bag of chemicals anymore. Like he said, the guiding metaphor for the book is healing. That's his newer book, right? As an approach to overcoming uh, anxiety in contrast to applied 
technology. What is applied technology? Applied technology is the very thing we just talked about right here, which is biological uh, treating things. What's that word here? It says um, biological something. It's when your body's being treated as a machine. It's when your body's just being treated as a machine. And of course, I've lost it. Oh, there we go. Biological psychiatry. Everybody's turning from this right now. Everybody's coming from this. These bad boys in Oxford are coming from it. The dude who wrote the workbook on anxiety said, it didn't work on me. He's changing it. Okay. So what we have to do is we have to be able to look to other answers other than just chemicals. Now, let me say this. Are you guys ready for it? Okay. Here's the beginning. Here's the beginning. Let me, let me check my, uh, check the chats here and then we'll go from the beginning. Okay. Do you know about Dr. Amen? Check him out on YouTube. Yeah, I just talked about him. I got his books. I got two of his books, uh, Miguel. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, all on him. Okay. So let me now start. Name to me one physical disease, one physical disease that does not respond to medicine unless a person wills it to be so. Now, I know there's power in the will that affects patients as they're recovering or going through treatments. Don't get me wrong. They've done that on cancer patients, that those who have a positive attitude go through the treatments much better. A positive mind affects your body. Not saying that at all. Listen to what I'm saying. Name one physical illness that the treatment of the medicine working is solely dependent upon the will of the patient you can't do it that's why this nonsense and i'm going to call it nonsense of treating mental illness as if it was a physical disease is wrong get it out your mind mental illness is not a physical disease when let me put this here when it relates to anxiety depression paranoia and phobia. Do I believe that schizophrenia has a bit of a different diagnosis to it? Yes. Do I believe that there's such things as brain damage? Yes. I believe those things can be a part of it. Do I believe that traumatic brain injury, traumatic TBI, I believe what they call it, can affect your, uh, your emotional state? Absolutely. But what I am talking about, my friends, right now specifically, is the, 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 the diseases that people are coming up with in the psychiatric world, the way they're diagnosing them, <clears throat> excuse me, the way they are diagnosing them, <clears throat> excuse me once again, the way they are diagnosing them are fictitious. They are fictitious. Now you may say, pastor, that now puts you in the realm of a conspiracy theorist anti-mental health. That is not true. Please don't put that on me. But what I'm just saying is, when you ask somebody, what makes you depressed? And Dr. Amen, and I have it here in his book. Let me just show it to you because since somebody already brought up Amen. So let's you know, I know about this. It's not that I don't know. I, do you know how many different depressive orders they have found? Let me put here... Um, 
when he talked, this is the book, uh, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. This is based on his uh, 80,000 brain scans. Let me put this in here. Let me show you how many depressive disorders they found with these brain scans. Let me show you how many anxiety disorders they found. You know what? They're going to keep finding a million more, my friends. And they still don't understand why the brain is doing what it's doing in those things. They don't know the causation, in other words. They don't know uh, what starts what. Now, if there's a traumatic brain injury, they may be able to say, okay, this, this happened. And then over here, these chemicals stop doing whatever, and we can help them. But once again, that's not what we're talking about. We're and, and sometimes people show me the art or, or want to bring up that sustained depression, sustained anxiety can affect the brain. Yeah, but why is it being sustained? See, it's not dealing with what comes first, the chicken or the egg. So let me just show you right here the list of different disorders. Uh, and then I'll give you the different risk factors and all of these things. I'm going to show you why you should not, why you should not accept this. Now, can they help us? Can Dr. Amen help us? But I'm going to tell you what you need to accept first before you go to these people. And then especially when somebody commits suicide, don't throw this garbage. What well, a Lord forgive me. Don't, I don't call it garbage. But don't throw this out like as if that takes away from what suicide is. Okay, let me just show you quickly right here the different kinds of depression and anxieties that he has listed. I believe it might be in his appendix. Let me see right here. I have a list of them. I believe it's this book that lists them all out. I mean, it's ridiculous how many kinds that they keep finding with their brain scans. It's almost like if you came in there and said, I'm depressed because of this and I feel this and I do this. And then they scan your brain. They're like, well, now here's a new disorder. I mean, literally, I'm not trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to look down on it. I'm not trying to say he's not trying. I believe it's helpful. I've listened to his lectures. You know, there's like a story of a young boy. He's having a brain tumor and it changes his personality because he's not uh, able to use the part of his brain that, that, uh, that sends out empathy and so forth. I totally get that, my friends. I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is when we're talking about depression, when we're talking about anxiety, when we're talking about these kinds of mental illnesses, there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a disease that, that is found in a body that then is cured as being treated as a disease. It's not treated as an even doctor, amen, will tell you. It's not treated as a disease. When you have, let's say you, you, you have uh, leukemia, it's a physical thing. They're going to then do medical treatments to combat the disease. That's not what you do. They can try to help you with serotonin. They can try, but they don't know if that is the actual issue to why your brain is scanning the way it is. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's see if I can get the different kinds. I can't uh, find it here right now. Let me just Google it so you can just see. the I think it will come up through like Mayo Clinic or something. Different kinds of depression. There's bipolar depression. There's this, there's this kind of depression. Let's go right here. 12 types of depression. Okay. And then I'm going to go to anxiety, the same thing, right? Mood depressive disorder. Okay. There's the treatment. Subsyndromal depression. Then there's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. There is bipolar depression, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. There is seasonal affective disorder. There is substance-induced mood disorder. Do you get my point, my friends? Now, here, here's my thing, and I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to go back to this, okay? 
name to me one other disease that when you go through the list of risks, everything it has to do with is what you do. Uh, I'm not talking about like smoking, bringing lung cancer. I'm talking about what you do with your will, okay? I attempted suicide before. Now, here's the risk factors for suicide, right? This is at the Mayo Clinic here. I attempted suicide before. Now I'm at risk for doing suicide. That has nothing to do with your biological makeup. Zero. Zero to do with your biological makeup. It's not a physical disorder. Are you listening to me? Feeling helpless, worthless, agitated, socially, isolated, lonely, zero to do with your biological order. And let me, I'm just blowing up resources right now for y'all that's just to know I ain't playing around. The number one book right now, the number one book on suicide and the reason behind it, why people commit suicide. And let me just put it out here so you can see why people commit suicide by this doctor. And you can see the reviews. Uh, why people commit suicide, the book right here. I know I'm a little bit mad scientist today, but you know, just bear with me right here because I'm purposely just trying to blow you up with information so that you can go back to trusting the Bible, honestly. I mean, if you want to know what's up my sleeve, here it is. Trust the Bible. Trust what I was just telling you, okay? Uh, no one's trying to hurt you here or deny that suicide has real, uh, has real risk factors in your mental life, but we're trying to tell you you're not a, a bag of biological chemicals and nobody knows, including the guy scanning your brain, why you want to kill yourself other than God. Okay, so let's get real with it. Let's get real, okay? In the wake of suicide, oh, let me get to the reviews here, uh, or, or to the what they call the, um, the reviews and then what the people say about it, okay? Uni University of Pennsylvania, et cetera. Joyner provides an elegant description of what leads people to commit suicide and what professionals, families can do to prevent a crisis that this tragedy creates for everyone involved. Uh, Joyner provides a fascinating contribution to psychological literature that is certain to, to be awesome, okay? Now watch this right here. Here's one from a newspaper. Joyner's theory is the most comprehensive yet put forth. The most comprehensive. Those are the kind of ones I was looking for right here. Uh, and here are some more that say he is doing an amazing job giving you the best reasons to why people commit suicide. Do you want to know? what his three reasons are to why people commit suicide, it has zero to do, zero to do with your biological makeup. I'll show you right here, if hopefully my notes transferred over because I was reading this on my phone yesterday. I'll show you right here his little chart that he gives you of the three main reasons why people commit suicide and zero of them have to do with your physiological makeup, okay? Here you go. Those who desire suicide fall into two categories. They either perceive themselves burdensome or have a failed belongingness. When they combine those two together, and now the third option here, they are capable of committing suicide, they're going to go for it. So it starts with one of these two things. They are a burden, and it's better without them. Life's you know, The world would be, uh, go on better without them and then failed belongingness that they just can't come in. When those two connect, like it's, it's, it's going bad now, and then they combine that with the capability of committing suicide, now that's when it's going to happen. That has zero to do with serotonin. That has zero to do with brain scans, and that's your leading boy right now in that field, okay? 
And so going back to the risk factors of suicide, before I get back to the word here, going back to the risk factors, I just lose my risk factors things of Mayo Clinic. No, here we go. What are the risk factors these people are spending millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out? Well, if you attempted suicide before, you're at risk of doing it again. You feel hopeless? Well, when, you, when can you check that in a, in, in, a, in a laboratory or microscope? Doctor, feeling hopeless. Experience a, a stressful event. Okay, well, uh, what's a stressful event? When does it go from I'm okay to stressful? All of this is subjective, my friends. Have a substance abuse, abuse problem. Have suicidal thoughts. Yeah, you can't uh, put a suicidal thought in the laboratory and test it and put some chemicals in it. Have an underlying psychiatric disorder. Now, this one right here, if you notice, if you notice, this one and this one are the only two that have to do, once again, with going back to physical health. And that is having a psychiatric disorder, such as depression major depression now you notice they have to qualify this major depression because they don't know what really is the difference between minor depression and major depression why is it just somebody the other day hijacked a plane in in uh, wherever that was seattle took it up in the air did aerobotics talked to the people and then nosedived and crashed was he majorly depressed minorly depressed was he just having a bad day post-traumatic stress disorder bipolar once again these are still best guesses even though do not get me wrong. I hope that you understand. I appreciate what Dr. Amen is doing. He's scanning brains. He's trying to figure it out. But have they? No. Can they? They never will. Even the, to, the, like, to the chemicals, we don't know what comes first. Is it the chicken or the egg? Is it I'm depressed and therefore my brain is now reacting to the soul that's depressed? Or did something happen to my brain in the traumatic injury and now it's, it's, it's sending these signals of depression or not enough signals of happiness? And since I'm buying into it, I am now believing it. Because just because I had a brain accident doesn't mean now I have to believe what my brain is telling me, right? So that's where these guys try to say that even if brain surgery is not possible, like removing a tumor, if you've had a traumatic event or injury and the brain's not quite functioning, you can send those thoughts back there and to heal your brain. So once again, the brain itself, 99.99% of the time, it's not even the issue. It's the soul interacting with the brain. Have a family history of mental disorders. You have somebody crazy in your family, you have somebody like this, then you might commit suicide. Well, that's sure encouraging. You have somebody violent in your family? Come on now. And then how about the guy who just committed suicide? The Mayo Clinic and uh, John Hopkins says that now they're more, uh, this pastor's children are now more likely to do it. Well, once again, that's only just based on the research because we don't know what makes the person not want to commit suicide or do to commit suicide in the beginning. We just know it's more likely now. So they're at risk. And then here, the other one I said, you, your medical condition, like postpartum or getting a hysterectomy or um, what, what do they call this up here? The, uh, the hormones, the, the, whatever that's called. Uh, my wife, thyroid, you know, yes, 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 yes. But does that equal suicide? No, no, no. It just means there's a risk. It just means you got hit in the head. There's a risk. Uh, you had a family member commit suicide. There's a risk. But what is going to determine, oh, here's the last one. You've got to love this. Any lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender with an unsupportive family in a hostile environment. So there's your risk. According to the Mayo Clinic, you tell me which one of those, tell me if those, and I gave you the two here that has to do with the biological issue. You tell me where the medicine has a one-to-one -one result on healing that issue. 
I know that even, I'm, I'm saying Dr. Raymond again, I know removing a brain tumor can really help, but tell me where it's one-to-one, -one, where you can tell me, I remove this, this person doesn't want to die anymore. Come on, guys, you know lobotomies, man, they were trying to tear out brains before and say this solves problems. Do you know that they still do electroshock therapy? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. My friends, your brain is a complicated machine, but it's nothing more than what your soul is enacting through it. So you try to heal the soul through the brain, you're not getting very far. Okay, well, let's take some questions here. Thank you, Lauren, thyroid. Okay, got about 10 of you checking me out. I know I just went mad scientist. Let me bring up, let me bring up here the scriptures in just a moment, but let me just show you what I'm saying now, okay? So that was the mad scientist thing. And I'll, Lord willing, I'll preach on this, right? Uh, this Sunday, because we're about ready to start a worldview series. Okay, let's go here. Of course, the first marker I pick does not work. That's always fun. That's always great when that happens. <laughs> Here we go. I know it's going to be backwards or something. Suicide, okay? Why do people do it? Okay? Now, let's get up. Let's get, let's get the best answers of the world, right? The world says there's a bunch of risks. And some of them have to do with your body. Most of them don't though, right? Most of them, what we will call environmental, okay? So they say, hey, we've seen people commit suicide and this, is, and they do the autopsies and this is found in their body or people who've attempted, this is found in their body, but we don't see everybody with that in their body doing it. So there must be a, a complex issue here. So then there's these other environmental issues that combined with these things and these risks lead to this. Now that's your option if you wanna believe that. Then you can make excuses to why people commit suicide. You could say something like this. You could say, well, they had anxiety, then they were rejected, and then their dad died and had a traumatic life event. So, uh, uh, anxiety plus rejection plus their dad dying boop, 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 equals suicide. Now, let me tell you what I think. I think that's a bunch of garbage. I think that is a bunch of garbage. There's nothing else in the medical field we treat that way. There's nothing else that we think of that way. So let's stop calling this a disease. This has nothing to do with your physical body. This is this 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 stuff we just mentioned right here. Uh, this anxiety and all this, that doesn't mean someone else like that's going to commit suicide. Why did someone have these exact same symptoms, but they didn't commit suicide? You see, when, when I have a sickness, that sickness can be diagnosed by different things, uh, you know, uh, symptoms, and then doctors give medicine to destroy or to help or to heal those symptoms, right? So if I have a cold to kill the virus, if I have broken my arm to restore the arm so that the body can heal itself, all of these things, none of that, none of that can happen here in a way to get this to go away. I break my arm, you fix it, you repair it, the body starts to do its thing. Now, somebody may not have a healthy immune system or whatever makes the arm heal itself, and then you got to deal with it on that. But this right here, my friends, is nothing but guesswork, nothing but guesswork. And, and they're professionals, they're good at it. I still recommend people going to them. I love Dr. Amen because at least he scans the brain to try to see if there's a tumor. But guess what? It's still at the end of the day, guesswork. So in other words, let me say it like this. 
if you were to send this pastor to Dr. Amen, and Dr. Amen scans his brain and says, oh yeah, we see traits of a brain that's anxious. Oh, and you feel rejected in life. Okay. And uh, your dad is that. Okay. Guess what? There is nothing Dr. Amen can do to make this person not stop uh, committing suicide. But he could help him if he had a broken arm and he said, oh, you have a blood vessel, uh, you know, uh, tendons here torn and this torn, we're going to do this. And if your body's functioning normally, it will heal. Nine times out of 10, 10 times out of 10, it's going to heal. Can't do that here. You want to know why? Because the reason of suicide is this thing right here called the will. Oh, let me see here now. So if I say suicide is because of all of this here, we'll never really answer the problem. But if I say suicide every single time involves this, well, then this will solve the problem, won't it? Mm. Yep, yep. And that's where the world gets mad, don't they? That's where they get mad. Because guess what, Christians? They don't want you to believe that. Oh, that goes back into those dark ages, doesn't it? They just think suicide is a person who's weak-willed. That's the only reason. And they call us cowards, but that's not true. Here's a meme that says, I'm so brave as I hang myself and rid my family of a father, right? See, the world wants you to think you're born gay. The world wants you to think that you uh, are just a biological machine. And if you're broke, you're broke. And we tried our best. And now we'll applaud you as a hero after you blew your brains out. But is that what the Bible says? Is that what the Bible teaches about you and who you are? No. All that we're learning in science is great. I love it. I love that we're learning about the brain and how it affects emotions and feelings. But guess what? You're more than a brain. You're a soul inside of your body. And the best doctors now are figuring it out. And they need you to cooperate with them if you want healing. Now, I asked you a question at the beginning. Name to me one disease that if you were to take the medicine for it, the only factor in the medicine working or not working is your will. You could not name one. Now, I want to ask you another question. Name to me one physical disease where the healing is dependent upon the will. There is none. That is because this is not a physical disease. It is a mental issue, not just a brain issue. Understand mental states are different than brain states. Study J.P. Moreland on the soul and neurology. Brain states are what the mental states use to cooperate into a physical world. Brain states and mental states are not the same thing. That's another lie of the world. The Bible says, and are you ready for the Bible? Let's just, let's just go to that book, right? I was reading somebody's post, God bless her heart. She doesn't know me, but she's like, that pastor just thinks he's so smart. And I know it sounds convincing, but there's, it's deeper than that. It's the, okay, well then show me how it's deeper than that. Cause let me make some things plain to you. Murder is murder. Okay, what don't you understand about murder? Do you not understand, are you alive? Are you living? Do, do you get the right to take your life? Does the Bible say you get to do that? Honey, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You don't get the right to take your life. Now, let me just point this out here before I get to preaching at some of you, and then you accuse me of not loving you, right? He doesn't love me because he tells me the truth. No, your friend tells you the truth because they love you, my friends. I'm doing this because I love you. 
I love you. I love, what do you want me to do? Just hug you and just, I love you. Guess what? I love the person who committed suicide too. You want me to go hug their dead corpse and say how much I love them? My friends, I love you, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. Stop believing the nonsense of this world. If you had a loved one commit suicide, you better look at that as just as sinful as if they murdered somebody else and were put in jail. Murdering yourself is a sin. It's a sin. The Bible says, love what is good and hate what is evil. Okay, this is what the Bible says. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, brothers, and therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You must offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. Now, I have done much work on this. Now, you guys know, and I'm not trying to impress anybody, and I'll be looking here to see if I get anybody in the medical field. Okay, I'll debate them. Get them. Get them. I'll do another live feed. Get somebody. Have them watch this video that has their degree in this and challenge me on stuff that I said. Have them challenge me. Guys, I am no sissy pastor. All these pastors with tight pants behind their church pulpits, man. Man, that ain't me. I don't hide. I debate Muslims. I debate, you know, those screaming black guys on the corner, black Hebrew is whites. I debate them, debate your whole I'll debate a doctor on the get them right here. Bring them right here. You tell me the time. Today's a good day for me. I'll come right back on. I'll do a live cast with them. Then you decide. You decide on how we're deciphering the information from the pastor who loves you and cares for you and studies the word of God versus whatever they're saying. And I know there's good, healthy conversations. There was up for debate with the Judy Royals, I think her name was, with Moody Radio, and she, you know, had a Christian on with the two Christians discussing these kinds of things. I'm not trying to say I'm going to be rude in any way, by the way, even to non-Christian, but Christians can disagree. I understand that, but what I'm trying to say is, man, stop getting so sensitive. Stop being a sensitive Sally, and if your name's Sally and you're not sensitive, please forgive me. Stop being such a sensitive Sally over this, man. This is life and death. Man, let me just say this before I get into the, I'm, I know I'm all over the place. Let me just say this other thing before I show you this other thing. My friends, if I was that pastor's friend, what do you think I'm going to say to him? Jesus loves you. And then if he says to me, I don't believe that, I'm going to say, you better believe that, sir. You better believe that. That's your only hope. Jesus is the answer. And if he says, oh, I don't know. I don't think I belong here. I'm, I'm going to say, sir, you better listen to me. You better listen to me real good. You think you're going to leave this life and find a better life over there? You better fear God, my friend. You're going to face him on judgment as a murderer. That's what I would do. I would plead with him. I would hug him. I would love him. But then I would look him in the eyes and I'll say, bro, you better listen to me. You cross over there as a murderer. There is no guarantee for your salvation. You are trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I will stand before God and be responsible for that. I will. I have no problem for that, my friend. So don't call me a hate monger. I love people, but I want them to know the fear of God. The fear of God is the path of life, the Bible says. You better fear the God who gave you life. And nobody ever asks about me personally. How do you not know I haven't had suicide thoughts? How do you not know I'm not sometimes a crazy pastor? How do you not know I don't feel? See, you don't know me either. I'm not here to judge your experience, but here's what I'm to tell you. God's been faithful to me, and he'll be faithful to you. We're not here to compare our pity and our sorrow. Has not God said he will never leave us nor forsake us? Do not give yourself to sin. But I want to show you this real quick. I had this uh, sermon that I did, and I explained it. Uh, cravings of the flesh versus the leading of the spirit. 
And let me put this out here. Say, I'm a preacher, man. So you're not going to get this from your psychologist. I love psychiatrists, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors. I love them. I talk to them all the time. You can ask my wife when we were in the ICU, Nick ICU with my, my baby, uh, Titus there. Man, I was talking to them. They lived, this is what they said to me. This is what they said. They said, man, talking to you makes me feel like I'm getting an exam again in medical school. Yeah, you know why? Because I want to know what you're poking and prodding and what you're doing. I'm not just sitting here believing everything you're doing. Tell me what you're doing. I got a phone. I can look up the information right now. I want to know the, the, the vein. I want to know what you're putting in them. What is that chemical supposed to do once it goes into them? Why are you having this machine here? What does this machine do? My friends, I'm not saying everybody has to be like that, but I'm saying I'm an inquiring mind. So I ask, okay? So I'm teaching you how to seek and find the answers. Look at this right here. I did this sermon series. When you are not saved, your spirit is unregenerate. Your soul and emotions are being controlled by your flesh, which is your body, and it's five senses. You are uh, like a brute beast. You live by whatever you feel. You go after the desires of your flesh, the Bible says. And in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. 1 through 3, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of, of the air, the spirit who's now at work and those who are disobedient. Now, this doesn't mean that all of us before we were born again, we were demon possessed. It just means when it came to the authority, we were under the authority of the devil and we were following his leading. We were in his on his team, having his team spirit. In other words, that's how I believe the spirit is at work. And you means not like a demonic possession, but like a team spirit. I'm not even a baseball fan but when I go to the Wrigley Field to watch the Cubs this this environment just hypes me up I'm like go dude what, what is that whatever your name is hit the ball you know because it's team spirit when you are unregenerate your your emotions and your way of thinking are influenced by the spirit of this age by the devil now when you get born again you have to believe that your spiritual soul is made new. It's not just your spirit is made new and your soul is un unregenerate. Your soul is made new in Christ. That's literally what the old timers used to say. Jesus saved my soul. Your soul is saved. And Peter confirms that. Listen to what Peter says. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves. And guess what that word is there? Y'all ain't even ready for this. 1 Peter 1, chapter 22. Can I just break some Greek on you? Remember I told you all these psychiatry terms, even the word psychiatry comes from Greek and all of that. Let me just show you right here these Greek words so you can know it better be related. Don't you know God better talk about your soul, your psyche? Uh, not purified, but yourselves. Look at this word right here, yourselves. What is that word, my friends? Please tell me you can see this. I know it's small. It's psyche it's psyche listen to the word i'm going to have a play out listen to this word let's listen to it again that's your soul what do you think psychology is can i just break some more information man i'm just going to be mad scientist today for jesus for you okay just breaking information all up in this place psychology psychology of course i can't spell it you know i can't but jesus still loves me anyways doesn't he psychology psychology this is why i have to have notes when i preach because i'll go all over the place not that i want the p s there we go guess where this word comes from do you guys want to guess where this word comes from not from the latin the latin doesn't come first i'll show you where it comes from in the greek let's go to the etymology of psychology you guys want to go there Let's go to the etymology of psychology. Before there was Latin, there was Greek. Psyche, 
the soul, the breath, the soul. You guys see that right there? What scripture are we reading right now? Now that you have purified your souls, yourselves. Listen to it in the King James. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls, your psyche, in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Your soul has been saved, my friends. Your soul has been saved in Jesus. Do you believe that today? Do you believe your soul's been saved? It says, for you have been born again. So when I am born again here, my soul, my psyche is saved. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed through the living, in, but, but uh, through the, not through perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Now watch, here's your battle. You guys ready for this? Here's your battle. First Peter chapter two, verse 11. But for, uh, dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Do you know that there are sinful desires warring against your soul right now? Did you know that? That's why the Bible says to offer up your body. Who is offering up your body? Your soul, your psyche. Your psyche offers up your body. What's included in your body? Can I show you what's included in your body? Your brain and five senses are included in your body. Somebody will get healed by learning of this. The physiology oh, of the body. Let's get a naked body up here to see your physiology. Y'all ready for this? You ready for the physiology of your body? You ready to learn what you're supposed to make a sacrifice? You ready for it? Okay, let's put one of these little naked bodies up here. You all ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go and look at this thing. Look at this thing. Look at this. This is just your muscles here. I want the nervous system. I want it all. I want my whole thing up in here. I want to see who I am in my body and what I'm laying down. Come on, somebody. I want the whole thing because that's what the Bible says. I lay down the whole thing. Let's get it. Okay, so we got the brain. We got the, the oral there. I want... I want something that's a little bit more in depth. I want thing. I want something that's got about a hundred things around it. Okay, is this just bones here? Sorry, as I get all close to this thing, I'm going to get a picture of the physiology of the body if it's the last thing I do right now. I'm telling you, I'm going to get a picture of what you are in your body and how you're supposed to lay down every part of it. And guess what you're going to see? You better lay down your brain. There we go. Come on, Jesus. Now this is just the nervous system, but this is the most important part for you to understand. Because guess what? You don't take this to heaven with you, friends. You don't take this to heaven. Your brain dies, but your mind lives on. Your feelings and senses die, but your emotions live on. Your strength and ability to move dies, but your will lives on. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So what are you to offer to God as a living sacrifice? You better offer your brain. Can't even get it to zoom in more on all these things, right? You better offer your brain. You better offer all of these parts of your brain. You better offer your glands in the brain, your adrenal gland. You better offer your adrenal gland to the Lord. Some of y'all think, I know, I know, I know. Some of y'all think I just went too far in this, but I don't think I've gone far enough. Come on, somebody. I don't think people get it. I'm not even going to talk anymore. I want to see some quotes up here, uh, uh, some comments. 
Do y'all even get what I'm saying before I go to the second verse? I mean, they tried to fix the brain by just treating it as a organ. And I've showed you that that doesn't work. No matter how many times we scan it and we think we're getting better at it, we still don't know how the brain works with the soul. I've showed you that the leading expert in anxiety had to rewrite his book and say, we need a holistic process. I've showed you that every chemical we can possibly look at in the brain is still not the number one reason of why we even have these issues. We can't even find a combination, let alone one. I showed you that from the Oxford Journal, the guys from Oxford, right? You guys remember that. I showed you that, right? Come on, somebody chat me a little bit here. Is anybody tracking with me here? Now, what am I showing you? Am I showing you that medical science is stupid, medical science is dumb? No, 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 no. What I'm showing you, what I'm showing you is, is this is what the Bible says you're supposed to give to God as a living sacrifice. Now, does that mean it's only spiritual? No, I mean, I can take medicine to help the, I can take medicine to help my uh, optimal pole or my planiary gland or whatever. I, I can take medicine for that, but is that going to take away depression just because I did that? No. I have to make a decision, don't I? <laughs> but now watch, watch. I'm waiting for some more of you all to chat. I'm going to look at some of this right here. Come on. Thank you, Monica. She's in college, one of our college students. Thank you for somebody getting this. And I'm not saying y'all ain't getting it, but just some of y'all just, I know I lost you, so I had to pause here. Watch the sermon Sunday, Lord willing, I'll have a sermon that just will, you know, I'll have all my notes and it will go through them. Let me just ask you this. What do you use to commit suicide? Your body. Can you commit suicide without that body? Can you? Now, let me ask you a question. If you had enough correspondence with your nerves and your brain and your right thinking to a lot of them write suicide notes. I was reading those yesterday. Those are disgusting. Um, you write suicide notes. You plan out where you're going to go. I'm going to the Golden Gate Bridge. Doesn't that take your body? Doesn't it? Pull the trigger. Set up the rope. Dude, you have to know what you're doing to hang yourself. You have to tie it. You have to have it on. You have, you have to literally think to yourself, this is load-bearing. This can handle me by dropping down. Okay? I've got some testimonies there. Thank you, Kelsey, for a testimony. Let me go back to the scripture, and I'm going to end it as this, because I just think that some of y'all just don't get it, and you have to. You have to. It's a battle of life and death. You better offer up your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What can I do to guarantee you will never commit suicide? Suicide. What's the thing I can guarantee you'll never do? Right here. You never do it. It will never happen to you. Can I say that with cancer? If you never want cancer, you'll never get it. And if you want to be healed of cancer, you'll be healed of it just by simply willing it. Can I say that about any disease? If you want your broken arm healed, all you have to do is just will it. No, but I can say that about suicide. You don't want it. You'll never have it. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. And then what does it say to do? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind changes your earthly brain, changes the way your brain interacts. That is what everybody agrees upon. That is why I still like what Dr. Amen does. 
is because part of the brain scan shows the person you can change the brain and they give them goals. They really don't prefer uh, psychiatric, psychotropic, psychotropic drugs. They really prefer holistic healing. And guess what? Then they can show that the brain is functioning as the soul begins to renew the brain by doing exercises, positive mental attitude, uh, um, um, uh, you know, when you have phobias to do exposure therapy, etc. Now watch when you do these things, then you'll be able to test and approve God's perfect will. You'll know what God's perfect will is for your life. So everybody, let me ask you this question in closing. I'm done preaching now. I had my hour. I'll take any questions you guys have. If any experts are here, I'll bring them on. Let me ask you a question. That pastor who committed suicide, did he offer up his body as a living sacrifice? Yes or no? Somebody answer me, please. Uh, this, this, come on, put, put his name in there or put a he in there so I know your text is, is responding to what I'm asking. Did that man or did anybody you know who committed suicide offer up their body as a living sacrifice? I want somebody to answer it, please. I, I know I got to get going here because y'all getting bored in some ways, but I, I just want to know. Okay, no, he did it. Thank you, Lauren. Okay, game over. Can anybody, well, let me ask it this way. Let me, you know, since I'm Polish and Polish people like to repeat things, let me ask it this way. Can anybody commit suicide who has offered up their body as a living sacrifice? Can they do it? No, no one commit, can commit suicide who offers up their, their body as a living sacrifice. I had somebody talking about, well, what about these rare situations where uh, uh, you know, people are delusional or, or have issues of schizophrenia, which I know is a rare bird in the mental world right now. They, they, you think they don't know much about depression. They know even less about schizophrenia and they're changing their theories on this and they need to keep working on it. I, I'm totally supportive of that. But, but here's the deal. Once again, schizophrenia doesn't equal suicide. Mental illness doesn't equal suicide, right? It's a decision of the will. We went over this already. But somebody was like, what if this, what if this, my friends, what scenario does your body ever say killing myself is the right thing to do? Let's say you're, I don't even mean to laugh, but you guys know what I'm trying to set up here, right? Like, like imagine you're like Kurt Russell or whatever his name is, Russell in a beautiful mind, and you think you're some FBI agent and you're being chased down by whatever. Why in the world now are you hanging yourself? The only possible, possible world that could ever be is if, like you're some secret agent and now killing yourself before they get the information is the thing you're supposed to do, like the KGB or whatever. But how rare is that? What, I mean, do you even want me to read the suicide notes before I go? People, this is not how people are committing suicide. This is, and, and, and let me show you, I have the link right here before I even go. And if I, and if any questions, put them up right now before I start to, to kind of ramble on here again, uh, because I have right here uh, the, the, num the risk, uh, written out the risk written out according to their um, according to their percentages. I have them here. Dude, schizophrenia. I don't even know if it makes the list. I think schizophrenia is like like not even on the list, guys. You know what I'm saying? It's like come on now. It's like we're we're acting like that that you're going to be so delusional and then you, I got to kill myself. You know, come on now. Why are we doing that? That that to me is just being silly now. We're not, we're not really caring about people because this dude wasn't delusional. He wasn't like, oh, I'm being chased, you know, by the FBI and I'm the KGB and they're going to find out my secrets. Why do we, you know, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um, 
uh, when, we, when we talk about like abortion and stuff, what about rape? What about this? What about this? Do you know how much of a small percentage we're even arguing about? Why don't we talk about the 99.99% of times people are killing their babies, murdering their babies? That's murder too, by the way. That's a whole other discussion, right? But what we're talking about suicide now. Now we're going to talk about the most like craziest situation. Well, let's say the guy's on LSD and he's schizophrenic and he deals with bipolar and he's paranoid and now he finds himself in a virtual world where the most noble thing he can do is kill himself okay uh granted the pastor will give you the stars that what you want me to say like you found the one situation where i don't have an answer what does that even prove then anyways what does that should, should we now just say what whatever happens is now related to that no that is the such the exception to the rule what is the norm and I wish I had the, uh, I think I might have it on my phone here because I was researching this. Yes, I, like I said, I went into mad scientists. Uh, should stop saying mad scientists in this, uh, this situation, right? Because that's probably not helping. I just went into like hyper study here uh, yesterday. And uh, yeah, I don't have the chart. I have a chart and I'll try to see if I can put it up. But like, yes, uh, schizophrenic people can live a healthy, happy life. They, just because you're schizophrenic doesn't mean you're going to want to kill yourself, okay? Um, so, yeah. Any other questions before I get going? Thank you guys for responding to me. I wanted to get to some of these, um, these stats that I had here on one of these things. I'm going to wait just a few more minutes. Um, warning sign risk factors oh here we go here we go oh yeah thank you jesus okay watch this watch this y'all ain't ready for this you ready for this okay here's this bad boy i was looking for okay here we go many factors contribute to suicide etc cetera, etc cetera, right okay we've been talking about that all right here we go suicide rates Oh, where's the chart? I got so excited I was dancing already. Okay. Okay, here we go. 54%, more than half of people who died by suicide did not even have a mental health condition. So let's just talk about that just for a second, right? The majority of people committing suicide are not even on the spectrum of anxiety and depression. Like, dude, like, did that just blow your mind right there? Come on now, I know this pastor did, but... We're, we're already just saying this is already a smaller percentage. So the greater percentage, and some people are like, well, it wasn't diagnosed. Well, okay, we could play the guessing game all day long, but this is the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. They're putting out the facts. 54% of people, more than half, did not even have a mental health condition, okay? So let's go there and talk about that. And let's just see here. Here's what they begin to say, and they begin to list out these risks, but I want this chart, dude. They have a chart where it lines up 54%, and then it says all these risk things here, and it looks like it's right here. View text in larger. Okay, let me see if I can get this here. Okay, here's the real reasons, okay? You guys want to get into the real reasons of why people commit suicide? Here they are, 42% relationship problem. This is not because they're living in the matrix and they need a way out, okay? So whoever brought up the one rare issue, it's nothing to do with that. 28% substance abuse problem, 16% uh, financial, uh, financial problem, 4% loss of, ho of housing, 
Criminal legal problem, 9%. Physical health problem, 22%. Uh, crisis of the, coming up in the past two weeks, 29%, okay? So look at this right here. I hope that you all get this right here. The vast majority, according to this, even them right here. Okay, oh man, come on. Y'all gonna make me wanna preach again. According to this right here is what? Substance abuse problems, will problems, relationship problems, will problems, financial problems, will problems, loss of housing problems, will problems, criminal legal problems, will problems, crisis in the last two weeks, will problems. So even if you wanna take that 22% and say it was related to health, once again, that is a small minority. And even in there, there is no direct correlation between you having a hysterectomy or uh, having uh, something going on in your brain where that now means you wanna kill yourself. I wanna ask somebody, who's listening to me right now, Lauren, can you please come on? I'm gonna send you the link if you can. She's one of our administrators, our main administrator really. I'm gonna see if Lauren can come on because I wanna just have a little chat with her to see if I forgot anything and if she wants me to reiterate something. So even if you can't come on video, it's up to you, Lauren. So I don't wanna put too much pressure on you, but uh, I'm gonna invite you on to this chat right here. Okay, Lauren, I'm gonna invite you on. I'm gonna get you here. Okay, where is my linky link? Copy URL. I'm gonna get Lauren on and we love people, okay? We're gonna slow down the roll, but I wanna see if I forgot anything and if she wants me to mention it. Okay, Lauren, I am sending you Facebook right now, the Zoom webinar. It's not our normal one. You gotta come into this one because this one allows me to go live. I want you to come on, please, as I'm looking at questions to see if I can help. But she, she can help by me bringing up more goodies. Gigi, my grandfather suffered of schizophrenia and he never spoke about killing himself. He was a loyal servant to God. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you. Dude, I totally forgot this. And I am, I am so glad Gigi brought this up. I, I really mean this. That was a God thing, Gigi. Watch this. Do you know what a lot of people are saying right now in the mental health field that nobody gets? Nobody gets? You know what they're all saying? Guys, you need to stop blaming school shootings and suicides and all this on mental health people because it's freaking them out. You keep making everybody else in the hospital and those getting help thinking that they're going to kill themselves and kill others. Do you get that? Like, because we keep wanting to link the one-to-one -one link. You guys know what I mean by one-to-one -one ratio. So it's like, I watch this. I have schizophrenia. That means I'm going to commit suicide. You get what I mean by one-to-one? I have anxiety, I'm gonna commit suicide. I have depression, I'm going to commit suicide. Do you know that literally people in the health profession are actually having a kickback from some of the media that's been going out and they're going, guys, we need to really be careful about how we're saying this because uh, the schizophrenic people in our support group come to us after a school shooting and go, Am I gonna am I gonna shoot a school now because someone on the TV said the guy dealt with schizophrenia? Thank you, Gigi. Guys, just because someone deals with a mental health issue, do I believe there can be actual mental health things? Yes. Do I believe anxiety, depression, and a lot of those things are different? Yeah. But I believe like schizophrenia and uh, brain damage and uh, uh, traumatic brain injury and stuff. Yes. And that, that's real. But guess what? Even then they have a choice. You cannot be controlled like a robot. Do you know that even hypnotism, 
has limitations with your will. Your will is, in, is in, in given to you. It's engrafted into you to give you control. You won't just lose control and do that. Come on. Yes, people can be schizophrenic and never talk about killing them. It's not related. Now, people can say it's a risk factor. It's a risk factor. Yes, but did you know that having a violent past can be a risk factor and doing drugs can be a risk factor. Dude, I'm telling you, they have as many risk factors as there are people killing themselves, right? I mean, the whole point is they don't know why the soul chooses to do what it does. So come on, Lauren, where are you at, girl? I need you to come on in this bad boy. Lauren, come on in, click that link for me, please. Any other questions? They want to put everyone in one category. Exactly, Gigi, that's the reason. That is exactly the reason. I, I just, I could put it up here right here, one of those morning talk shows. Can you guys give me a minute? I'm just gonna ask my wife to put on the air. Sorry guys, let me just say it like this. Um, well, what was I just saying? Oh, I was looking at one of the morning, listen to one of the morning talk shows about the dude who took the plane in Seattle and just crashed it. And, and, and literally they, they just, no one can ever say the dude just wanted to do it. it. They they brought it down to like, well, I hope they do an autopsy and they figure it out and, and whatever. Guys, like, what do you think? Like there's something in his brain, like they're gonna figure out, like they're gonna pull out a little thing in his brain and it's gonna say, oh, here was the virus called, I want to fly a plane and crash it into the ground. If only the doctors could have taken that, I want to crash a plane into the ground virus out of him, he would still be with us today. Now, do I know that medical treatment and things can help? Yes, yes, yes. I'm not saying that it can't. But once again, it's a decision of the soul. The soul has to want to do that, okay? All right, Lauren, are you there? Lauren, are you there yet? Oh, sorry. I thought I saw you coming. Oh, yeah, you are. Here you are. Okay, Lauren's coming in. We're going to welcome her in. Okay. Okay, Lauren should be here. Lauren, how are you doing? There she is. Come on, pull it down. How are you doing? Okay, find your, you got your headset there. I'll keep talking as you do, but I'm so glad you joined me. I just want to make sure that I covered everything. I know I got, like, I, always, I call that a little bit mad scientist. I get a little frantic and I start showing all kinds of information. Um, oh, here's a testimony from Amy. I would be on so many meds right now with just one breakdown I had. Thankfully, I talked with my beautiful pastor instead, life-changing. Amen. People go through breakdowns all the time and find Jesus to be the answer. Sometimes do you need more than that? Yeah, you might want to talk to other professionals. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you what, the ultimate choice is going to be on you. Go ahead, Lauren. What did you think about my little uh, breakdown there? Yeah, I think it would be hard for someone to come back and say that you don't love people, that you're telling them all these things because you're a hate monger and you don't care about people. You're trying to get to the bottom of it and help people to understand that there really is only one answer. It's about taking your thoughts captive. It's about um, guarding your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus and really working taking the Bible first and then science second. Like you said, a lot of Christians are looking at science first, looking at their doctors first, and then saying like the Bible is just complimentary when really it's the Bible and science is complimentary to the Bible. So we have to take the word seriously. We have to walk it out. 
and it works. If we work the word, it works for us. There are a lot of people that get sick, they get cancer and, you know, depression comes, but that is our choice. We don't have to go down that road. We can choose to guard our heart and our mind and not allow the things in our body to take over um, our will, our, our soul. How do you know that cancer patients might have a tough time? Tell me how you know that, just in case people are watching, wondering why you got a sock hat on in the middle of August. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> just enlighten us a little bit. I know. Well, I went through cancer. I got a diagnosis. I'm 30 years old. I have four children. My mother died from cancer when I was five years old, and I got cancer. I had a diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was probably the, the most shocking thing that I heard from the doctor. And I really had a choice in that moment. And I learned very quickly. Am I going to put into practice the things that I have learned throughout the years of reading the scriptures, hearing my pastor preach to me and filling my soul? Am I going to put those things into practice right now? Or am I going to allow my diagnosis uh, to take over, to allow depression to come in, to feel sorry for myself, to have despair? And I went through cancer because I put the word of God first, because I put, uh, my actions, you know, uh, walked out the word of God. I went through cancer like a champ. <laughs> I did it, but it wasn't me. It was because the spirit of God on the inside of me, it was because I was working my word. I was walking through understanding that the peace of God was with me. I didn't have to feel sorry for myself. I had, I saw the bigger picture. It wasn't just about me and my children and my sickness. It was bigger than me. And I still could be a blessing to others, even though I was suffering. Amen. I was just going through the chats as you were doing that. Thank you. That's powerful. Uh, somebody said, uh, Richard wrote, so what you are saying is that suicide is basically caused by feeling like a burden and not having a sense, in, sense of belonging that is caused by your will. Yes, but that's not, I agree with that. But that's not what I said. That's what one of the leading doctors in the field said based on his research. And that's what I was bringing up. He had enough. His research did not turn up. Here it is again. His book is Why People Die by Suicide. Some, of, some have said it's the leading book right now. And these are his three reasons. Perceived burdenness plus failed belonging those who are capable of suicide, and then the tempt comes. That's what he said. So you want to argue with that, or if you want me to clarify, I can, whatever, go ahead. Uh, but that's the fact. Now, Lauren, I know I went fast, and I got a bike ride coming up today, and I'm actually going to put this on our podcast, and I'll listen to it, and I always want to become better. Was there anything that I went through too fast, or did it make sense of? Because sometimes I'll think of a thought, and I'll, I won't come back to it, or not to, say you can't, not to say that everybody get everything, because there was a lot of information I want people to go back and study, but is there anything that needs to go back over to be a little bit more clear? Um, not that I, I noticed. I think you hit on everything and that it was pretty clear. Um, I really like, I think it got a little confusing when you were asking, cause there actually wasn't an answer to the question. You were asking like what sickness um, doesn't work or that it's only about your will or something, some question yeah, that yeah. was a little confusing yeah. that I think uh, we didn't understand. Well, I didn't understand at first that it was like uh, there, there is none. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm yeah. just asking that for, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the idea was to ask a rhetorical question, but I would not ask this even rhetorically. If I was to get uh, an expert on in the field, I would actually ask them. I would say, name, if, if we're going to treat this as a disease, then tell me any disease that behaves like this. But th this is what they mean by disease, by the way, because those of you who might just be coming on, and we'll, we'll be closing out here in just a little bit. But those of you who came on maybe a little late, you might have um, missed when I showed that even according to Wikipedia, and I'm not saying Wikipedia is like the thing, but I have the articles, the actual journals to back it up, that Wikipedia confirms the best, uh, uh, artic uh, the best articles right now that there is no known unifying underlying pathophysiological reason for either suicide or depression. It is, however, to be believed to be an interplay of behavioral, socio-environmental, and psychiatric factors. So they're going to give these three things. Your behavior, your environment, and your psychiatric factors are just an interplay. But they have no idea how it works, right? But now here's the deal. What did I show you? And, and, and Pathophysiological means you can show it in the body. So they can't. You're not a bag of just chemicals, right? So what did I show when I went there? What here's what they're saying. It's all of these different risks, and that can lead to this. But what did I say is the number one determinative factor every single time? Because none of these things will ever equal that, will they? But you can guarantee that will equal that every time. And if you want to stop that, stop doing it. Don't do this, and you'll never do this, no matter how many of these things you have. Does that make sense, Lauren? Or do you think I should say that again? No, I think that's good. Can you say it in your words? How would you explain to somebody on the job or something if they were like, oh, you don't love people. You're just saying they're not strong enough. You know, you're putting people down. You don't get their struggle. They have a disease. What would you say? I would say there's nothing in their bodies that people can point to, even doctors that say, uh, what causes this? When we see people with diseases, we see the cause of the disease. Maybe it was a bad diet. Maybe it was something that caused it, but they're saying that it's just a risk factor. Maybe if they were abused as a child, maybe, you know, there's th things in their environment um, or psychologically that, that are off, that are a risk factor, to, but that doesn't mean that it actually uh, equals suicide. That is always a choice of the will to commit suicide. Uh, thank you, Richard. And I don't want to be combative. Uh, Richard said, hey, I'm not arguing. I do agree. He just wanted to clarify. Please, I'm not here to be combative. I believe this. I'm passionate about it. I will argue. I will debate. But that's not my point. My point is we need to, in the church, take back the conversation and have real, meaningful, biblical understanding of what's going on in the scientific world, in the medical world, when it comes to, to, to uh uh, to suicide. And, and what I'm trying to tell you as a pastor is don't believe all that you're hearing when it's related to suicide. It's not the truth. And most of them who are on the cutting edge are telling you, we're not going to give you a simple answer. We're not going to try to tell you they didn't have a choice. They did have a choice. And what they're trying to figure out is why people keep making this wrong choice and what is frustrating them. And I haven't talked to them personally since this time in this field, but I can guarantee you, especially the non-Christians, what is like challenging to them in a good way, but also frustrating is this, the, the rates of suicide are skyrocketing right now. And it even has grown exponentially since uh, Robin Williams took his life because now it's being copycatted. 
So the rising rates of suicide, let me do this. And then I'll end by reading, because I do want to read some of the suicide notes, because I want you guys to understand these people know exactly what they're doing. This is their choice, right? So let's go to uh, live science. And I want to show you some of these, uh, these rates right here, okay? Suicide rates are rising. Let's uh, go here. Okay. I believe it's gone up. Oh, you silly thing. See, this is why... This is why if you ever have a blog, don't put advertisement up there. Look at this. I can't even access this silly blog because now I have an advertisement there. Okay, what is, here we go. Okay. Oh, why can't I have it? Rise and suicide rate. I want to make sure I say the right number. That's why I want. I want it right up at the top. Not why. America's suicide. Okay, here we go. It has increased. Yeah, because I wanted to say 25%. Here we go. Look at all this. Do you get what I'm saying, Lord? Don't you hate advertising? Don't you just hate this? Do you know that somebody tried to tell me? Because you know we have over a thousand blogs in our website, and people try to tell me to put advertising on there because I get a lot of visits on there. It's like, hey, you know what I said to them? I said, I'm not going to do to others what I don't want done to me. I hate advertising on these articles. Okay, here we go. This month, the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, released a report suggesting that America's suicide rate increased by 25%. 25%. And let me put it right here because I want to get how much it's increased since uh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams suicide increase rate let's see how much it's gone up and we'll take any questions while we're doing this right now suicide rate spiked 10 percent just since robin williams time magazine just since him it spiked 10 percent, 25 percent over the last decade what do you think about that lauren i think it shows us what uh people are influenced by they're looking at the celebrities, they're looking at the world and so easily molded, so easily uh, changed by what they're seeing, even Christians. Okay, here we go in closing. Just hang with me, Lauren, please, since you're here. Okay, suicide letter, upwards of 40 to 50% send a suicide note, a video. Famous DJ in Chicago put out his little Facebook post before he took his life. Um, so over half of the people have so much of a right mind that they can put these letters out. 26 disturbing suicide notes. You can uh, read them if you want. I won't put the link up. I'll just leave that to you to find because they are disturbing. I will not read all of them, but uh, I just want to show you that suicide's a lie. It doesn't mean they're demon possessed. It just means they've been lied to, okay? You'll learn to live without me like I've had to live without you. Okay, there's one. And let me, uh, let me give you some others here. Okay, that's a short note. I got these other ones here that are long. This is uh, some painfully edifying reading, the suicide notes here. Let me, let me give you one. It actually says who they are, married, male, whatever. Here we go. Single female, 21 years old. Dear, my dearest Andrew, it seems as if I've been spending all my life apologizing to you for things that happened, whether they were my fault or not. 
I'm enclosing your pen because I want you to think of what you took from me every time you see it. I don't want you to think I would kill myself over you because you're not worth any emotion at all. It is what you cost me that hurts and nothing can replace it. You think these people know what they're doing? Hmm? You think they're going to heaven? Let me ask you this. Those who are listening to me right now, those who are still here, we got about 10 people. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think somebody like that goes according to the Bible? Where the Bible says all cowards, all murderers have their place in the lake of fire. You answer that question to me. Where do people like this go? Bitter. I want you to feel what I felt. I want you to feel the pain. I want you to suffer like how I suffered. People put up there right now, please let me know. Heaven or hell, where do people go who live like this? Heaven or hell? I want to know. Come on. Somebody needs to tell me. Where are they going? I want to see this up here right now. Come on, hell. I, I'm not saying hell because I want them to go to hell. I'm just saying I hate what is evil. Is it not evil? Is it not wicked? Now, people want to get into discussions about once saved, always saved. That's not the time or the place, but I'll tell you, we'll blow that up as quick as anything else, too. But uh, cowards and the unbelieving. I don't know why I can never remember scriptures when I need to. I think it's because I got so many things on my mind. Come on, help. Somebody else put up. Don't be ashamed to talk about heaven or hell. People need to fear the Lord. Some people will say, well, what if, what, what if you push somebody over the edge? My friend, they're already over the edge. They're already over the edge. I'm trying to spare their life right now. I'm trying to tell them, don't you dare do that. Somebody loves you. Somebody cares about you. But listen to this. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magical arts, the idolaters and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. All right, let's go to a few more of these letters and then we'll... We'll end it on, we'll end it on a, a praying for people who have issues that need help. Okay, here we go. Uh, male, 45 years old. My darling, may her, got, her, may her guts rot in hell. I loved her so much. Henry. Here we go. Divorced female, 61. You cops will want to know why I did it. Well, just to let, just, let, let's just say that I lived 61 years too many. People have always put obstacles in my way. One of the greatest ones is leaving this world when you want to and have nothing to live for. I'm not insane. She even tells you, I'm not insane. My mind was never more clear. It has been a long day. The motor got so hot, it would not run. So I just had to sit here and wait. The brakes were against me to the last. The sun is leaving the hill now. So hope nothing else happens. Married 74. What is a few for, short? What, how about this? What is a few short years to live in hell? So he thinks he's on hell on earth. He's not in hell on earth. He's about ready to see what hell is. That is all I get around here. No more will I pay the bills. No more will I drive the car. No more will I wash iron and mend any clothes. Married male. <clears throat> no more will I have to eat the leftover articles that was cooked the day before. This is no way to live. Either, it's any, either is it any way to die. Her grub, I cannot eat. At night, I cannot sleep. I married the wrong nag, 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 and I lost my life. Y'all play around. They play around, don't they? Uh, don't Christians today, on, on the most part, are backslidden, Lord, and that's why they don't understand suicide. Uh, yes. You and I were talking about this. It's, it's no surprise that Christians don't understand suicide because they don't understand anything else hardly, do they? And if the world, if the Christians are backslidden, how much less does the world understand anything? 
They don't understand anything. There's a way that seems right to a man, the Bible says, but in the end, it leads to death. They don't know what they're doing, do they? They just, they just keep saying they're in a better place now. They're so much more happier now. Oh, the devil loves hearing that, doesn't he? The devil loves when people talk like that about suicide. Oh, they're in a happier place now. They're not going to suffer. So, oh, young child, just take your life now if you're suffering. Oh, that's just the devil's altar call, isn't it? Talk about it a few moments, Lauren. As I yes, absolutely. He loves it. He loves seeing Christians defeated. He loves seeing Christians not know the word of God, not standing on the word of God. He loves seeing just this recent thing, a pastor taking your life, and now you're the example to other Christians and making it something that it's not when really it's murder. It is sin. It is evil. It is wicked. And those who do it will go to hell. I would like to ask you one question before we uh, end, Pijo. Oh, okay. Um, so with the recent thing with the pastor doing it, you know, you've been a pastor for more than 20 years. Um, and a lot of the responses that we're seeing are from Christians, other pastors saying like, oh, well, nobody knows the stress of ministry, like, like a pastor, nobody could understand what he was going through. And obviously we know being in ministry, you get hurt. People talk about you. They do, uh, naughty things. Um, but I would like to hear from your perspective, how you have fought those thoughts, how you have overcome depression or feeling so hurt that you want to go down that road. What do you do to keep your, keep yourself away from that? Thank you so much for asking that. Just like with you and the cancer, I give all glory to God. What I don't do is recommend books like this. And this, this was one I was trying to look before it was fine. It was so funny. Like right at the beginning of my podcast, I couldn't find anything. Now I just, I take my time. And then I just, I look over here and here's one of these books, you know, uh, leading on empty. Another pastor here had a breakdown. Uh, let me just read it to you on the back here. This is what, you know, this is the stuff you're given in cemetery. I mean, seminary to read here. Let me just read it in my, in my accent here. You know, it was a balmy California evening. I had gone for a jog before I was to speak at a leadership conference. I still can't recall how I got there, but I found myself sitting on a curb, weeping uncontrollably. I couldn't tell if it took place suddenly or gradually, but I knew something had broken inside. I remember lifting my trembling hands and asking out loud, what in the world is happening to me? Guess who, guess who says this is a must read for all leaders? Bill Hybels, navel kissing Bill Hybels. Here we go. I just broke down and cried. I had a tear in my beard. I don't know how I got here. Oh, y'all ain't ready for this. Can I, can I answer the question with, with a testimony that will bring tears in my eyes? You know who my heroes are, Lord? Let me get my, Nancy. I need a charger. I'm about ready to go dead here. I got 2% left. Can you say? Dude, I'm about ready to go dead here. We need this to slow down before it goes out. All glory to God. All glory to God. But I had... 
the word of God brought to me in such a way I've never changed. You know, a lot of these guys, they change what they believe over time. Uh, a lot of them make fun of Pentecostalism. Oh, Bethany Booster, you're the best. Thank you for running so fast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You saved the podcast for the, the live feed. Thank you so much, buddy. Okay. Children are an answer, by the way. It's part of what God said to have is a lot of children. That's another part of uh, natural healing. Anyways, um, let me say this. I'm going to preach the whole sermon, Lord willing, and it's going to have all the details there. But I want you guys to see this. I'm going to put my screen up here. See, some people don't believe this, Lauren. And um, Lester Summerall wrote this powerful book called Goodbye, Planet Earth. The mystery of death. And I was raised on preaching like this by Pentecostals. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Brian yesterday, and I was saying that the most influential people have never been scholars to me in my life. The most influential people are the ones who have lived it out. And I gave him the quote from John Wesley that basically said, uh, John Wesley said, I learned more from my mother about God than I did from all the theologians of England. And I believe that. I've learned more about God from simple men who have powerful ministries. Goodbye, Planet Earth, The Mystery of Death by Lester Sumrall. Listen to what he writes here. Most people wouldn't even believe this. He talks about death and how we should face it and all of these things. Kind of similar like how Billy Graham towards the end of his life, you know, uh, wrote a book. Listen to what he says. I hate the word retirement. Why retire when you've just reached a fruitful place to grow fruit? You've been through experiences that you have to share. You have, some, you have something to give away. Why die? You see, I talk to these pastors all the time. They want to take sabbaticals. This guy just went on a four-month sabbatical before he killed himself. and did absolutely nothing. Uh, they want to be like mystic monks now and try to figure it out instead of going to the Holy Spirit and being rebaptized with fire. But this is what I was raised on, Lauren. This is the men that I listen to. These are the people that are my heroes. We should not fear death. He said, I don't fear death. In fact, I have a great desire for death because it's the only thing that separates me from the awesome presence of, of, of the Almighty. Now, of course, do not have anything in mind here of a suicidal thing. This is the same heart of Paul that says, I just long to be home with the Lord. Uh, the stinging dread and dark finality has been removed from death. Through Jesus Christ, the grave is a loser. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? He had no fear of death. He had no fear of what was going to happen. Now listen to what he says, and people may not believe this, Lauren, but I met this man, I met his family, I knew people that worked directly with him. In other words, I knew his armor bearer and travel assistant who worked directly with him for over 12 years, traveling all around the country with him. This is the truth of this man's life. I'm going to write, uh, read what he wrote, and by God's grace, I will say the same thing when it is my time. I'm going to try to make the font a little bit bigger because I want people to really see this, okay? I want people to really see this. Listen to what he said. Let me get this part right here. Okay. Come on, help me, Jesus. Those who have had a hard time in life usually die with great bitterness. I've had a good time here. I've had been blessed. I have been blessed with a loving family. My mother was a wonderful Christian. 
My older brother and sisters were eager to be helpful and kind. If you, see, if you don't know him, you're thinking that everything was a yellow brick road. He got kicked out of his house when he was 16 for being a Christian by his dad. But you see, he only emphasized the good. He knew how to be thankful. Called into ministry. I felt success from the first meeting I had conducted. But you know what? He had to have the meeting in a barn. I went around the world starting off with $12 in my pocket. Later, I had a hand in building churches. He built the largest church in the Philippines. Later, I had a hand in building churches, and the money came in without struggle. The same was true with the Christian TV stations we started. Now listen to this part that I highlighted. My life has been good. I had a precious wife for 49 years and eight months. We never had a fight. Now, I can't have that testimony, so I'm still looking up to him. We lived in sweetness and harmony without a bitter word spoken between us. When I say goodbye, Earth, it was nice knowing you. <clears throat> I mean it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have no regrets. I've traveled all over the world. Give me just a moment. I'm about ready to choke on some uh, dry spittle. <clears throat> I have no regrets. I've traveled all over the world. I have lived in castles in Switzerland and eaten dinner in palaces. Over the years, I have met many wonderful people. Now look at this. Most people can't even relate to this. Everything I've done, I've had success. I've never failed in anything because the Lord has had a hand in my life. When I say goodbye, it's been nice knowing you. It's the truth. I've had a good time here and I'm going on to heaven to have another good time and probably a better time there than I've had down here. I leave this world without any heaviness of heart. I'll leave without any regrets or disappointments. I'll do everything all the same. I'll take the same girl with me. It's been a good life and a good time. You say, oh, pastor, that's just Lester Summerall. Do you know that when they brought uh, Polycarp to be martyred, they were about ready to kill him. He was the last, um, uh, he was the last one living that had been associated with the apostles. And uh, they brought him before the tribunal, whatever. They were about ready to kill him and martyr him. And they asked him, they said, uh, old man, Deny Jesus, we'll save you, we'll let you have your last years uh, in peace, and we'll let you go, and look at, and we'll let you live, and look at what he said. Uh, he said, for 86 years, I have served Jesus Christ, and he has never abandoned me. How could I curse my blessed King and Savior? Um, some people may say, well, that that's just polycarp, that's just polycarp, boy, that that, that worked for Lester Summerall, that worked for, for Polycarp, but uh, I don't know if that's really scripture, is that really for us? Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. Look at what it says. Paul said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So how have I done it? I've just followed Jesus. I followed my mentors. I did what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 and onward. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, or rather verse 17 and onward. It, uh, no, excuse me. It's Hebrews chapter 10. I thought it was verse 13, but let's see. Verse 7, Hebrews 10, 7, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So what did I do, sister? I just, I just trusted God. You didn't see any of those things I was doing, huh? None of those things. Okay. Well, I was reading those books and different yeah, stuff. Yeah, I did. But, we saw oh, left this summer. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I think we about covered it. I'll go back and listen to this. I don't think I see any questions here. Let me see before we go one last opportunity. I don't see any. Am I missing any, Lauren? Because sometimes it's hard to see it. And uh, we'll see if any professionals in this field want to discuss with us because we absolutely 100% will not run from this. We will not run from this. Okay, I don't see any questions that I've missed. Thank you all for joining us. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. And um, at the beginning, man, I think what I wanted to do is I really wanted to show people I'm not a joke when it comes to this. So if you're going to step into the arena or on a chat box with me, you better come with your guns blazing because we stand behind the word of God and what the word's been proven true in science. And you know what I would love to say to anybody? Because I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to support Carolyn Neef even if she doesn't support the way I did this. I, I, I don't care if she liked the way I did this or not. But I love Carolyn Leaf, and I would recommend other people supporting her. And I showed you guys The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson. There's good books out there that sort through the information science has given us to try to help us make the best decision. And I would even say, once again, though I can't quote Dr. Amen, because he went to Oral Roberts University. He's the one who did over 80,000 brain scans. I would say that I think he agrees with us too. And they're just trying the best they can to help us understand what the brain looks like when the soul is tormented. Uh, but that would just be my take and I can't put my words on him. And then, like I said, Jeffrey Schwartz, who's the leading expert in OCD, uh, also I think would agree with a lot of what we're saying. There is a will involved in suicide and we can't brush it off towards mental illness. We gotta take the will seriously and we need to teach people to renew the mind and be healed in the soul. Because otherwise, then what is the solution? What is the solution? Do we just keep drugging up people? That's not going to work. It hasn't. We need that holistic approach. And so we're offering people that. I think the part, and, and this, I'll say this in closing, I think the part that makes what we're saying sassy is that we're putting heaven and hell on it. Right? Wouldn't you agree, Lauren? Like, that's what makes it sassy is we're like, dude, this is a heaven or hell issue. Yes. Absolutely. I, yeah, I think if we left out calling it sin and bringing up heaven and hell, everybody would agree with us. Like there's, there's issues, people have choices, blah, 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 you know. But I think when we're like, hey, that, that he, this, this talk, he's going to a better place is a bunch of garbage, you know. And I think that's what brought up some of the divide between us and the other Christians is like some people don't believe in, uh, some people believe in once saved, always saved. So in their mind, they think, well, I can do whatever I want and I'll still go to heaven. And then that's a dangerous, dangerous doctrine. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you'll be with anyone watching this video that has suicidal thoughts. We pray that they'll come to you and trust you and love you. And if they're a part of a good church, they'll reach out and begin to get help. And they'll be uh, willing to listen. And God, those churches like ours who use doctors and the medical science, I pray that we'll work in partnership together to see these people healed and be beautifully blessed in life so that they don't have to go through the world hurting and thinking that this is normal or that it has to be a part of their life. There are too many testimonies of God delivering people from this for them to think this is something they have to have the rest of their life. They can win the battle over suicide, anxiety, and depression. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, Lauren. Thank you so much.